Good morning. Those of you who've been praying for my carpal tunnel surgery, thank you. It hurts, but it's not too bad. The carpal tunnel symptoms are very much um, less now. Now it just hurts from where they cut it open. But Please turn to Acts chapter 21. I thought maybe y'all would appreciate this. My nurse was a very sweet woman, very friendly, very good at her job. And she had a name tag on, and I looked at the name tag, and her name was Grace. And I was thinking, yes, she is. And yes, God is full of grace. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for opening our hearts. Thank you for bringing the gospel to us. Many generations removed from Christ. Thank you for working in this church. Indeed, Father, in all the churches that the gates of Hades will not overcome the church. You will maintain a remnant. You will continue to bless. You will continue to bring home your people. Father, we trust you, and Father, whatever remains in us that doubts and hesitates, we ask that you would help us to strengthen our faith, that you would lift us up. Please help us now as we look to your word, and that we might be encouraged by it and um, informed by it, and that we would be built up in the faith. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to mention this before I forget. We've sang two songs today about God as a rock, a rock of refuge, or a rock meaning it doesn't move, it holds steady. Rock of ages, cleft for me. You know, when when the people live in a time where there's not massive fortifications, a, a hiding place in the rock is a good place to be. It's when when the Bible describes God as a a refuge or even the shadow of a mighty rock in a weary land. You know, the sun imagine the Middle East, the sun's blazing down, but there's a massive rock and a large area of shade that follows that rock as the day moves on. God is a rock that we've built our faith on, right? The wise man built his house on the rock and the storm came and the wind blew but the house was secure because it was built upon the rock. Anyway, we sing about that all the time and all the time I think about it. I just wanted to mention it before we move on. Last time we discussed verses 1 through 26 from chapter 21. Paul, if you remember, he finally made it to Jerusalem to give the offering that he had been collecting for some time. If you remember, he had representatives with him that were from those various locations for safety purposes, but also to make sure everything's on the up and up. None of this money is going to go missing. It's for alms for the saints in Jerusalem. 
And also, if you remember, he had made certain strategic decisions to not go to this place or that place because he was intending to get back to Jerusalem in time for Pentecost. Do you remember that? Well, he made it in time. The church in Jerusalem was glad to see him and those who were with him. And if you remember, they warned him. They said, brother, Jewish believers in the church have been hearing bad things about you. They've been hearing that everywhere you go, you tell people that Moses doesn't matter and people need to cast off all their Jewishness. You remember this? And they told him, we need to make sure they know that that's not true. And in fact, it it wasn't true. Paul wasn't doing that. He, if Jews wanted to remain Jewish in their customs, Paul didn't forbid them or tell them not to. But he informed them, this isn't going to make you more righteous in God's sight. We're saved by faith, just like the Gentiles are. There's no need to put on them a burden, which you couldn't do either. So they, they tell him what you should do is go to the temple along with some other men and make a vow and let everybody see that you're still Jewish. You still take part in these things that they care about. And if you remember, Paul did it. This wasn't sinful to do it. He didn't have to do it, but it wasn't sinful to do it either. And he went to the temple. Verse 26, Paul took the men the next day. He purified himself along with them and went into the temple, giving notice when the days of purification would be fulfilled and offering the offering presented for each one of them. So they've taken steps to try to get out in front of this rumor that Paul is anti-Moses all of a sudden and telling everyone to stay away from Jewish customs. In fact, he's, he's making a very serious vow in accordance with Jewish customs. Well, let's read. We have a, a fairly long passage today, but it, it's a lot of narrative. We'll read from 27 of 21 until 21 of 22. When the seven days were almost completed, the Jews from Asia, seeing him in the temple, stirred up the whole crowd and laid hands on him, crying out, Men of Israel, help! This is the man who is teaching everyone everywhere against the people and the law and this place. Moreover, he even brought Greeks into the temple and has defiled this holy place. For they had previously seen Trophimus, the Ephesian, with him in the city, and they supposed that Paul had brought him into the temple. Then all the city was stirred up, and the people ran together. They seized Paul and dragged him out of the temple, and at once the gates were shut. And as they were seeking to kill him, word came to the tribune of the cohort that all Jerusalem was in confusion. He at once took soldiers and centurions and ran down to them. And when they saw the tribune and the soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. Then the tribune came up and arrested him and ordered him to be bound with two chains. He inquired who he was and what he had done. Some in the crowd were shouting one thing, some another. And as he could not learn the facts because of the uproar, he ordered him to be brought into the barracks. And when he 
came to the steps. He was actually carried by the soldiers because of the violence of the crowd. For the mob of the people followed him, crying out, Away with him! Verse 37, as Paul was about to be brought into the barracks, he said to the tribune, May I say something to you? And he said, Do you know Greek? Are you not the Egyptian then, who recently stirred up a revolt and led 4,000 men of the assassins out into the wilderness? Paul replied, I am a Jew from Tarsus in Cilicia, a citizen of no obscure city. I beg you, permit me to speak to the people. And when he had given him permission, Paul, standing on the steps, motioning with his hand to the people. And when there was a great hush, he addressed them in the Hebrew language, saying, Brothers and fathers, hear the defense that I now make before you. And when they heard that he was addressing them in the Hebrew language, they became even more quiet. And he said, I am a Jew, born in Tarsus in Cilicia, brought up in this city, educated at the feet of Galamaliel, according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God as all of you are this day. I persecuted this way to the death binding and delivering to prison those men and women, as the high priest and the whole council of elders can bear me witness. From them I received letters to the brothers, and I journeyed toward Damascus to take those also who were there and bring them in bonds to Jerusalem to be punished. As I was on my way and drew near to Damascus, about noon, a great light from heaven suddenly shone around me. And I fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, Who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Now those who were with me saw the light but did not understand the voice of the one who was speaking to me. And I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, Rise and go into Damascus, and there you will be told all that is appointed for you to do. And since I could not see because of the brightness of that light, I was led by the hand by those who were with me and came into Damascus. Verse 12, And one Ananias, a devout man according to the law, well spoken of by all the Jews who lived there, came to me, and standing by me said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very hour I received my sight and saw him. And he said, The God of our fathers appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one, and to hear a voice from his mouth. For you will be a witness for him to every one of what you have seen and heard. And now, why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. And when I had returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple, I fell into a trance. And I saw him saying to me, Make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly, because they will not accept your testimony about me. And I said, Lord, they themselves know that in one synagogue after another I imprisoned and beat those who believed in you. And when the blood of Stephen, your witness, was being shed, I myself was standing by and approving and watching over the garments of those who killed him. 
And he said to me, Go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Now listen, this is not a good place to stop, but we have to. It goes on for another two chapters. We'll stop there and then we'll pick it up, Lord willing, the next time. Verse 27 through through, uh, 34, Jews from Asia stirred up the crowds. They're probably mostly from Ephesus. Um, could be from anywhere, but there's a lot of Jews in the city already because it's Pentecost. And Jews have come from all around, and no doubt from that area. But the reason I say likely from Ephesus is they recognize Trophimus, who's with Paul, and he was one of the representatives that came with Paul from Ephesus. Um, but either way, Jews from Asia stir up the crowd... This is what their accusation is. This is the man who is teaching everyone everywhere against the people and the law and this place. This is not a new accusation, false accusation against God's people. If you remember, our brother Stephen was captured in Acts chapter 6 verse 13 and there accusation against him. Listen to how similar it is. This man never ceases to speak words against this place and the law. Stephen did that? He did not. It was a lie. It was a lie. And it's a lie here against Paul. This is the man who is teaching everyone everywhere against the people and the law and this place. Moreover, he even brought Greeks into the temple and has defiled it. And then there's a comment that says, because he had been walking around with Trophimus earlier and they just assumed he took him into the temple. Or knew that other people had seen him walking with him and would believe them if they said he brought him into the temple. Now listen, this wouldn't be like here, right? If I brought a stranger in here, you would know. But there's hundreds and thousands of people there at the temple area. So it would be hard to corroborate one way or another whether he actually brought them in there or not, unless there were other people who saw it. And if you remember our discussion about crowds, it doesn't seem to matter to them to to actually find out whether these accusations are true or not. They get angry. All the city was stirred up. The people ran together. They seized Paul. They're ready to kill him. There's been no trial whatsoever. No, like, what? What are the accusations exactly? What did he do? The people are just in a frenzy. They have taken on the crowd a mind of their own. They don't know what's going on. And so there's a giant uproar in the city. And the tribune of the Roman cohort that's in Jerusalem, you know, they're probably on high alert anyway because it's a, it's a big time in Jerusalem. There's a lot of people in the city. They hear there's an uproar. He immediately goes down there with soldiers... Verse 32, took soldiers and centurions and ran down to them. And when they see the Romans, they stop beating Paul, right? He's had no trial whatsoever. They're beating him. 
tribune, arrests him, orders him to be bound with two chains. This is interesting. It's not because he's so powerful he might break through one chain and they need two. Likely chained on one side to one soldier and chained on the other side to another soldier. Two soldiers chained to Paul. Likely. They order him to be brought back to the barracks, but they actually have to carry him above the crowd, it seems like, or away from the crowd, because they're going to, even though the troops are there now, they're still going to strip him away from them and kill him. Verse 35, because of the violence of the crowd, for the mob of the people were crying out, away with him. Not like, please make this guy leave, but away like, kill him. Let him not be anymore. Away with him. And then historically, this is interesting, verse 37, Paul politely wants to speak to him, and they speak in Greek, and the tribune assumes that Paul is somebody else, that is a real historical figure. There was a a man that had recently led a revolt of 4,000 men and had fled from the city. This is, you know, sometime before all this is happening. But Paul says, no, you're confused. That's not me. That's not me. I'm a Jew. I'm from Tarsus. I'm a citizen, a Roman citizen. Let me speak to the people. And he's given permission to speak to the people. And basically what his message to the people is, is he gives them a testimony. There's two testimonies in this section. One is his testimony of being a very devout Jew, a persecutor of Jesus, and of anyone else who believed in him. That's the first thing that he testifies to. And it was widely known, wasn't it? When the church heard that Paul had been converted, it was almost difficult, right? It was difficult for them to accept. What? No way. That, this is some sort of scheme. He's capturing everyone and dragging them in chains back to Jerusalem. It was hard to believe because he was infamous for his persecution of the church. It's hard to believe. Verse 22, verse 1. Brothers and fathers, hear the defense that I make before you. And when he speaks in Hebrew, they get very quiet. Even more quiet. And he goes through and tells them, You know this. I'm a Jew. I have a high education. I was a Pharisee. I was zealous for the things of God, just like you. I persecuted... You know, not everyone there that was blaming him actually took part in the persecution of the early church, even though they may have been against it. Paul said, listen, I was there from the beginning persecuting the church. I stood there at the feet of those who were afflicting those. In verse 4, binding them, delivering them to prison, men and women. The high priest, the whole council of elders, they can bear me witness. They, some of them are likely the ones who gave him the letters that gave him permission to go do it. 
And he finishes that section of it and he moves on. Now he gives his testimony of his conversion experience. He says, that is how I was. You know it. This is, this is public knowledge. I was that way. Verse 6, I was on my way to go get some more Christians. I had letters. I had permission. I had the zeal to do it. But suddenly a light from heaven shone around me. I fell to the ground. God spoke to me and asked me why I was persecuting him. And from that point on, Paul changes his mind. He, God spoke to him directly. As you were teaching this morning, Eric, I was wondering about these things that he tells them from Isaiah in various places in the scripture and says, See, did Jesus tell him, remind him about those passages? Because he didn't realize it before when he was persecuting Christ. You know, Paul often says, I didn't get my gospel secondhand like some of y'all did. I got it from Jesus directly. Not sure, but either way, he has a conversation. And he says, those who are with me, they saw the light too. You can ask them. They didn't understand the voice that I was hearing like I did. And God told me to go to Damascus. And then we're told that to corroborate that story, Ananias, a devout man, he said you can ask around about him too. He was a good man, well spoken of. God spoke to him. He came to me and helped me regain my sight. And then it was encouraged, verse 14, the God of our fathers appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one, to hear a voice from his mouth. For you will be a witness for him to everyone of what you have seen and heard. Now, why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling upon his name. This is Paul's testimony. He's, he will speak of it again. By the way, do you, are you ready to speak your testimony? Are you ready? Somebody asked me, somebody asked you, why do you believe in Jesus? What would you say? Would you stumble for a minute? Would you be surprised that they asked you? I hope not. I hope you'd be ready to give an answer. Isn't that what the scripture teaches? Sorry, I'm flipping here one-handed. First Peter three, verse thirteen. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, 
so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. In your hearts, honor Christ as the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Are you prepared? And somebody asks you, what's the reason why you follow Christianity? It's an old, tired religion. Why are you a Christian? Are you ready? If you're not, get ready. This is a command from the Scriptures. Always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that is in you. If you're not prepared, get prepared. Paul was ready. This is very interesting because what they're desiring to do to him is bad, and God is using it for good. I don't know how many people are in this mob, but it seems like a lot. A large audience for Paul to give his testimony publicly, even in their own language. The Bible says the crowd got very quiet. A crowd that moments before were seemingly ready to rip his body apart. Even the soldiers were afraid they, they removed him from the crowd because they're going to kill him. Now, all of a sudden, they're very, very quiet. And he's able to tell them, I used to persecute Jesus, but I was wrong. And God changed my heart. He spoke to me. And when he did, I didn't hesitate. I rose, I was baptized, washing away my sins, calling on his name. Verse 17, when I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple, I fell into a trance and saw him saying to me, make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly because they will not accept your testimony about me. Paul is reminding them, that what is actually happening to him at the moment God had told him was going to happen to him. It would have happened to him before if he hadn't left. And now that he's come back, it is happening. And if you think about it, there's a lot of comparisons between Paul and Jesus in their treatment in Jerusalem. If you think about it, Jesus told them beforehand, when I go to Jerusalem, they're going to kill me. And people were telling him, don't go. And he's like, no, I have to go. I'm just telling you what's going to happen. And Paul was doing that too. The Spirit testifies, imprisonment, terrible things are going to happen to me there. Don't go. Like, what do you, well, don't go. He said, "I, I have to go. I'm supposed to go. And part of his purpose in being there was to preach to so many people. So many people. Verse 19, I said, Lord, they themselves know that in one synagogue after another I imprisoned and beat those who believed in you. When the blood of Stephen, your witness, was being shed, I myself was standing by and approving and watching over the garments of those who killed him. 
And he said to me, Go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. And I think Paul's point in, in relaying this to them is I didn't flee because I don't like Jerusalem or I don't like the Jews. God spoke to me and told me you weren't going to receive my message and he sent me somewhere else instead. And I went there in obedience and they did receive the message. But he hasn't spoken out against these things that he's being accused of. He never ceases to speak bad about the church or about the temple, the law, Moses, the people. Paul testifies elsewhere we see his heart he said I could wish that I would be accursed for the sake of my countrymen I love them I wish they would be saved he doesn't have ill will toward them but from the beginning God sent him to someone else they were different saints that were mostly designed to work in Jerusalem most of his work was designed to be among the Gentiles. Let's read through the end of um, verse 29, just to give us a taste for next time. Up to this word, they listened to him. Then they raised their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for he should not be allowed to live. And as they were shouting and throwing off their cloaks and flinging dust into the air, the tribune ordered him to be brought back into the barracks, saying that he should be examined by flogging to find out why they were shouting against him like this. See, the, the, the tribune thinks there must be more to this story because they are really fired up. I, and he's like, I don't see what the big deal is. He must be hiding something. We'll beat him and flog him and get him to tell us the whole story. Um, Verse 25, But when they had stretched him out for the whips, Paul said to the centurion who was standing by, Is it lawful for you to flog a man who is a Roman citizen and uncondemned? When the centurion heard this, he went to the tribune and said, to him, what are you about to do? For this man is a Roman citizen. So the tribune came and said to him, Tell me, are you a Roman citizen? He said, Yes. And the tribune answered, I bought this citizenship for a large sum. And Paul said, But I am a citizen by birth. So those who were about to examine him withdrew from him immediately. And the tribune also was afraid. For he realized that Paul was a Roman citizen and that he had him bound. Verse 30, on the next day, desiring to know the real reason why he's being accused by the Jews, he unbound him and commanded the chief priests and all the council to meet and brought Paul down and set him before them. And we'll see here in the next few chapters, Paul has repeated opportunities to share his testimony to magnify the gospel of Jesus to influential people, but to a diverse group of people. I mean, if you think about this, if you like in the um, initial 
um, preaching of the word that happened in Pentecost when, when all the Jews were there from all the various locations around. And they say, how is it that these men are preaching to us in our language? They're not from our, where we're from. Yes, we're all Jews, but they can't speak our language. And a massive group is saved, right? 3,000 are added in one day. And well, guess what? When the feast is over, they all go home and take the gospel with them. And this is what's happening here. Paul is given occasion by God to preach, to testify to a diverse group of people who will then take that message out. I mean, we, we know that sometimes God uses bad things for good. It happens all the time. It happens all the time. Well, God willing, we'll, we'll read the rest of the story coming up soon. Be ready to give a defense, to give a reason for the hope that's within you. Be ready. That God might use us as He used Brother Paul. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word. Father, we know, we read in the Scriptures that often the wicked will bring false accusations they will plot against us. They might scheme. Father, they, the crowds might rage. Threats of violence might be put upon us. Unjust floggings could happen to us. Father, we thank you that we haven't had to endure m- many of these things. But your saints around the world do and are currently. Father, would you help us and them that we would always be ready to make a defense? Not that we're defending you, Father, but we're proving, we're testifying to our faith in you. We're giving the reason why we believe in you. There's no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Lord, there's no other blood. There's no other sacrifice. It falls short of your glory. Oh, Lord, please be with your people. In our church, be with us, Lord. Give us boldness, but help us to preach with boldness, with gentleness and respect. Father, be with those in other countries. Help them. And we pray that more and more would come in. And Father, that you'd be glorified as they honor your Son. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.